I hope you're not lactose intolerant because we're about to get cheesy here at Monster Kid Radio. Yeah, I, I went there. Uh, this is Derek M. Cook, your host of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic and cheesy monster movies of yesteryear. This is episode number 52 of the Monster Kid Radio podcast. Welcome, longtime listeners or brand new listeners. Hope you enjoy what we've got cooked up this week. And that is a conversation with returning Monster Kid Radio guest and sculptor Tom Bigler. Tom suggested that he and I sit down and just chat about some of our favorite cheesy B-movie monster movies. Well, I like the conversation that we had, and I can't wait to share it with everybody this week. Now, in part one of our conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the movies that we like, talk about some of the monsters, and kind of sidetrack a little bit when we start talking about John Agar, a little bit about Tom sculpting and something that he might be working on if he can figure out how to sculpt something kind of transparent and, well, you'll just have to listen to the conversation to find out what he's working on or would like to work on down the line. Speaking of sculptures that Tom has worked on, he donated the incredible two-figure sculpture diorama display masterpiece commemorating the movie Island of Terror. Now, we're going to announce the winner to that contest in part two of our conversation, which will be coming out here in a couple of days. Oh, by the way, you know what isn't cheesy? The song that opened up the show. It's the song Crunch from the band The Ape Men. It appears on their album Seven Plus Inches of Love. You find out more about them over at the Men. Dot com. There will be a link to them in the show notes. The song appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio with their permission, and you'll hear the song in its entirety at the end of this episode. Let's get some of our business out of the way. Voicemail. If you want to leave us a voicemail, call us at 503-4795-MKR, or send me an email or MP3 file to monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And have you joined us over on Facebook yet? We've got a Facebook page. You can find us by looking at Monster Kid Radio on Facebook. We have a page, which you can like, which we'd appreciate if you did. And we have a group that you can join. And there are conversations happening between shows that you can be part of. If you request to join the group, I'm pretty quick about approving that request and getting you involved. And I try to put up various polls and questions and things like that between shows. And because it is the month of December... We've got the big holidays happening. I just posted a new poll asking listeners what their favorite classic or not-so-classic monster movie is to watch during the holidays. And I can tell you that one of the movies that's on the list is something that I will be covering here on the show sometime this month. At least that's the plan if I can get it scheduled with a guy who's lined up to be the guest to talk about this very special holiday movie. And finally, there is our 50 review challenge. If you subscribe to the show through iTunes, we are asking that you pull up Monster Kid Radio and leave us an honest review. As of this recording, we have 25 reviews in the iTunes store. Once we get to 50, I'm rolling out a new spinoff show. It'll still be relevant to the Monster Kid Radio audience, but it will be a very specific, narrowly focused show about a very specific topic that's near and dear to my heart that I think you guys and gals are going to dig but we can't launch the show until we get 50 honest reviews in the iTunes store. Thank you to everybody who's left us reviews in the iTunes store so far and everybody else who's talked about us on the various message boards and other podcast catchers. I really appreciate everybody's support and spreading the word about this podcast that I am having a blast producing for everybody. All right, why don't we go ahead and get into part one of our discussion with Tom Beagler about our favorite cheesy monster movies. Right after this. White Zombie. 
a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, Drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune into B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. I'm back here with one of my favorite guests. Actually, all of you are my favorites. But right now, he's my favorite guest on the show today. <laughs> I got Tom Bigler. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing great. Very diplomatic, Derek. <laughs> It's good to be here. So we are going to not talk necessarily about a particular movie. You had brought up the idea of maybe talking about some of our favorite cheesy movies, kind of our cheesy B-monster, B-movie mm-hmm. type things. When we talk about these classic monster movies, I mean, sure, we class it up. We talk about Dracula. We talk about you know I Walked with a Zombie. We talk about some of these important classic monster movies of the genre, but – Let's be honest, sometimes they're a little (laughs) cheesy, especially once you start getting into the 50s and the 60s and and maybe even to the 70s before everything kind of changed in horror cinema. Sometimes they are a little cheesy, and they were kind of cheesy from the beginning. I would think that when you go to see a Roger Corman movie, if you're a kid, yeah, maybe the monsters look a little cheesy even then. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love them. Mm -hmm. I don't think the idea here is we're going to trash talk any of these movies, are we? No. Well, no. (laughs) I just made up a list of some of the movies that have some cheesy monsters in them that maybe, well, a lot of monster kids would know, but right. not, not all of them. So, you know, just some of the lesser known stuff. Well, and stuff that you enjoy. I mean, yeah. these are movies that yeah. you... you uh... and, and the cheese is part of the fun. Yeah. You know, and so much of these, it's like, you know, especially, well, now as I watch them as a sophisticated adult oh yeah because your taste is so much more yeah (laughs) you know you obviously kind of see them a little differently than you did maybe the first time you saw them but you know just the cheese has got to be part of the fun i think too it's indicative of the era in which the films were made when you look at the horror movies the monster movies of the 30s they were for a general audience Mm -hmm. when you look at some of the stuff from the 40s it's still kind of a general adult audience, but some of the kids' stuff starting to creep in. You get to the 50s, and you're in the drive-in era, 
the audience changed. So the filmmakers were changing what they were going for. Mm-hmm. So the cheese was a little bit more prevalent or acceptable or accepted maybe for some of these films. I mean, I can't imagine seeing a movie like you know Frankenstein at a drive-in and getting the same charge that I would if I had watched a Roger Corman film or an AIP film at a drive-in. Does that make sense? Sure. It's part of the formula and we love it for it. Love them for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we're, like I said, we're not going to, talk trash about these movies we're going to acknowledge some of the cheese you said you've got a list well i have a short list i just made up a few movies that i like some of the monsters in okay and uh some are well yeah a couple of them are pretty bad but (laughs) so maybe we should just we'll just with your indulgence i'll just name one and we'll talk about it and just see yeah and the first one is on the top of this. This is in no order, just so you okay. America knows. These are just a list. And this is not my favorite or least favorite tour. First one is with John Agar. <laughs> brain from Planet Arrow. Oh, man. That's a great film. I love the big brain. <laughs> me when you talk like that. It's true. I've discovered a power that the most feared man on earth. This is the closed circuit television set focused on the test area, isn't it? Yes. And uh, these buildings and equipment have been placed in the desert for destruction by the atom blast? That's right. Would you all kindly watch the screen? <laughs> what you have just seen me do to that one small area. I can do to a city, a nation, or a continent. Gentlemen, I'm convinced I saw him wipe out a city of concrete and steel by some power of mind. And my advice to you and to your governments is to take what this this man says as a most serious matter. Any country I have mentioned which does not have a representative here present in this room will find its capital city wiped out. That's an awesome brain. A big glowing brain. Yes. When it appears on screen, it's all kind of like transparent. It's like getting bigger and bigger. That's so fun. See, that's something, you know, not to break off subject a teeny bit, but since we had talked about doing dioramas and stuff before, see, that's something I've been trying to figure out a way that I could do a sculpt i i wouldn't be able to use sculpty all the way because it's not translucent but i was trying to figure out a way i could make a brain that i could have a glow but anyway so if anybody has any ideas on how to do that send in your <laughs> ideas to monster kid radio yeah anyway but it's a cool movie it's it's, it's pretty silly but it's it's cool to see john agar as a well he's a pretty he's kind of horn dog in this one <laughs> i mean he's all over it yeah. His fiance. I think it's his fiance. I think it would have had to have been considering the, <laughs> the way they behave on screen. Agar did a lot of movies like that. John Agar rules. I think everybody kind of knows that and knows his importance to a lot of these movies, especially in the 50s, mm-hmm. starting with Revenge of the Creature and then kind of going through all the other films that he did, some for Universal, some for other companies, some for Larry Buchanan. Um so i mean he made a lot of these kind of cheesy monster movies and the brain from planet eros is great if i had to think of a a cheesy kind of 
I'd hate to say monster movie because there's not one definitive defined monster off the top of my head. We just spent maybe 10 minutes on the internet trying to remember the name of the damn movie, <laughs> um, The Journey to the Seventh Planet, which also has a lot of cheese in it. Mm-hmm. Can they make things and people appear and disappear? Who opened the airlock? Have they new and terrifying powers of mind over matter? His arms froze. Can they reach deep into your subconscious to make you feel terrors more horrifying than you know of? Give us an hour. If we don't show up, You'll know you don't have to wait any longer. You have come to destroy me. But my weapons are more powerful than yours. Your own fears have created the means of your destruction. Hagar just works well with cheese. Yeah, Hagar goes well with cheese. Well, he's he's very earnest. You know, that's a thing with him too. You yeah, know? he doesn't. You know, he doesn't seem to ever phone it. He never phoned it in. I mean, he really, you know, just like in the brain from Planet Eros, he had to wear those silver uh, contact lenses. Yeah, and he probably was really uncomfortable, and he he seemed to really get into basically. If for those who haven't seen it, it's a an alien from another world that mm-hmm. inhabits John Agar. Mm-hmm. And there isn't the same. So I haven't watched this in a while. So then there isn't. A, there's the same brain creature chasing mm-hmm. the original brain creature, right? And the uh, the first brain creature turns John Agar into a power hungry sex maniac, kind of. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, he did a great. But yeah, you're right. He never phones it in. He always tries to find some truth to the characters that he's playing. It'd be really easy to be like, well, it's just John Agar. Mm-hmm. But I feel like whether he's this character in Planet Eros, whether he's, you know, Cleet from Revenge of the Creature, I feel like he's found something about the characters to make him unique and stand mm-hmm. alone enough. And, I mean, he's just a solid actor. Mm-hmm. He rules, as uh, the song says. So, yeah, I would go probably, like I said, I like Journey of the, to the Seventh Planet quite a bit. It's not an American production. He's the only American in the cast. <laughs> I believe it was Danish. And, you know, he plays, again, he's a little bit caddish. He's talking about all the women that he's been with in that movie. And when they get to the seventh planet and they encounter some sort of alien presence, this alien presence makes all the different crew members start having these hallucinations. It's very Star Trek-y. Mm-hmm. What was the, was the cage or the menagerie? Uh, the original Star Trek mm-hmm. where the Talosians make 
the humans or our heroes, whether it's Kirk or Pike or whatever episode of Star Trek you're watching. I am playing my geek card hard here, <laughs> referencing Captain Pike in Star Trek. But it's very much like that, where they're making them see things that aren't there, mm-hmm. interact with things that aren't there. And John Agar, of course, he's a beautiful woman because that's what he's into in this movie. I find it kind of cheesy because the opening title song is just so blasted ridiculous it's this vocal number there's lyrics in the theme song that actually include the title uh, of the movie and it's just ridiculously cheesy but i love it and it's a sense of fun and playfulness that i just really enjoy Mm -hmm. that's one thing with a lot of these movies is there is a a lot well when you look at it now i guess because we live in a fairly complicated world these days you know, with everything that's going on, it's 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 really nice just to go back to those kind of fifties or sixties mm-hmm. sensibilities for an hour and a half. You know, granted, right. it's not a utopian society because they treat women and they treat some others with you know yeah. not the respect they deserve. But there's still an escapism, though. There's still an mm-hmm. escapism that that is enjoyable and and palpable to these movies, especially uh, with the Corman stuff or the AIP stuff. You know, uh, I think a movie that, and I don't want to bogart what's on your list. So I don't know what's on there or not, but I think a cheesy movie for me, a cheesy monster movie for me. I love Teenage Frankenstein. Well, when the stitches are out, he'll pass for a normal, quite attractive teenager. I want him to know and feel pain. What I create, I must control. Go on, activate this body. With Bissell, demonic as Professor Frankenstein, who creates out of human parts the most terrifying creature to walk the earth today. But let's be honest, look at the monster in that. <laughs> I could have sculpted that. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how mediocre that makeup. And and I'm not talking that it's I'm not saying it's bad and, and they do explain in the story why he's got a perfect human body and his head's all messed up. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what kind of car accident could have caused that kind of deformity <laughs> on the head of this eye just hanging out that's never blank. And that thing would dry out and fall out. You know, it, it looks pretty darn silly, but there's still a level of escapism to mm-hmm. it. And I, I'm a big fan of Teenage – I like Teenage Wolf, uh, Wolfman as well. But, I mean, Teenage Frankenstein is my favorite of the two. And I think part of it's because, you know, Whit Bissell is just so darn sincere in that. Mm-hmm. And I love Whit Bissell, so – I just wonder if anytime you talk about, well, any kind of media, you so often have to think about the sensibilities of the, the age of, you know, the time when the movie came out. And I just wonder if, you know, at that time, you know, now, these days, it seems like we expect everything incredibly realistic. You know, like it's right there and, the, you know, I don't want to see yeah. any of the stuff. Yeah. And back then, you know, I don't think they were jaded with the thing where everything has to be like it's real life i mean that's kind of a strange thing but i mean as far as some of these creatures you know some of the costume designs and 
I don't know. No, that makes sense because if you have that element that takes it completely out of reality, it, it's it's a different sensibility than what you have with movies now. When we came over to your place tonight, uh, we were talking about a movie that we had just recently seen, a, a modern movie called the, you know, the Conjuring. Mm-hmm. You know, modern ghost story movie. It's pretty decent. I struggled though as soon as we saw the manifestation of what was being conjured, the the creatures, the ghosts, the demons, whatever. And just people in makeup. And mm-hmm. it was supposed to be kind of realistic looking and all that. And my wife and I talked a lot about at some point the filmmakers have to make a decision, what are we going to show you and you know how are we going to communicate to the audience this is what we're supposed to be seeing? To me, I enjoyed the movie when it was something more unreal. Mm-hmm. Once I was able to say, oh, that's just a guy in makeup, and that's, of course, what a realistically hanging person would look like, it, it took me out of it. Whereas if you look at these movies from the 50s, like Teenage Frankenstein or whatever, the monster is so clearly unrealistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that, yeah. you know, because I'm on board. I'm all in. I don't know if I'm rambling here at this point, so maybe you we should are. get back to your list. You are, you're <laughs> rambling terribly. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, we got off track. I started on that weird no, philosophical. No, it makes sense, stuff, though. It's, it's good discussion. You know, it's just the expectations were just so much different. A simpler time back then. Okay, another one. How about Creature from the Haunted Sea? How much Jack do you think's in that strong rock? Mm. There's plenty of Cuban sugar, though. Here's what happened the general beat his friend Castro to the Cuban treasury. The strong box is now on this boat. So are a deported American gangster and his mall. And lurking in the depths is the creature from the haunted sea. You're a crazy mixed-up kid. I am perfectly adjusted to my life of crime. Don't worry, Mary Bell. I'll save you. Be calm, everybody. The boat's insured. Beware. The creature from the haunted sea. Roger Corman. I really like this movie. This monster is kind of iconic. I feel like if you do a Google search for B movie, it'll pop up. If you do a Google image search, it's got these big googly eyes, little kind of stumpy arms. And I can see, I can see it right now in my brain, the scene of it coming out of the water and kind of jerking from one, jerking its head from one point of view to the other. And then, there's, there's people in the foreground doing something, and it's going to come after him. I just, um, I love it. I think it's a great-looking monster. As we know, that was made for almost no money, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so, and so I don't think the, the monster effect was very important, but I love the tone mm-hmm. of that, which is, you know, very similar to a Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Same kind of comic undertones going through the whole thing. I wonder if uh, Christopher R. Mim maybe took some inspiration from that movie when he did the monster of phantom lake which was the first of his films and he's the guy that does the so-called good bad movies the throwback movies the science fiction uh-huh. horror movies that sort of thing so if you're interested in 
you know, what he does, you might go back and check this movie out. I, I haven't talked to him. I could just be assuming, but I wonder if his first monster movie took some inspiration from that monster movie. Hmm? So, who knows? Who knows? He'd know. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mim would know. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Any thoughts on anything? I have some more here. Well, but you I know, I have one. I wonder how much of the cheesiness is the context of the monster. There's a monster movie, I believe it's called She Creature. creature which has got a full bodysuit mm-hmm. monster in it courtesy of paul blaisdell mm-hmm. who was amazing for his time i think he never got the credit that he deserved uh, during his lifetime the she creature it's a very slow paced involving kind of cerebral movie it has to do with like hypnosis and there's a lot of things happening that aren't monster movie related at all throughout the plot which makes the movie more engaging but then Blaisdell turns up in that bodysuit in another movie, The Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow. And this time, even though it's the same monster, it sticks out as this cheesy B-movie looking monster, you know? Have you seen Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow? I have. I, it's probably been 25 years ago, though. long time ago. 20 it's years kind of sort of a sequel mm-hmm. to, I believe, The Hot Rod Gang. I'm not sure. Because I've never seen the first one because the first one doesn't have monsters in it. Um, <laughs> well, so there's I no reason to see it. I then. didn't bother putting it in my Netflix queue. Uh, but it's a 50s you know, mm-hmm. group of kids. They're out hot rodding. Cool. Most of the Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow feels like two TV episodes butted up against each other for a TV series that didn't exist. Like the first half of it is they're looking for a place to hang out and have their club meetings and build cars and you know legally race each other and that sort of thing. And then where they're going to have their big haunted house party because Halloween's coming and then we go to the haunted house part of it and then the she creature shows up they don't call it the she creature it's just a monster that turns mm-hmm. up and Paul Blaisdell actually has a cameo in the film and it's kind of a Scooby-Doo movie at that point it's uh, very yeah. you know it would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you kids and all that <laughs> it's a fun movie I think I mean it's 
cheesy on some of the not best ways, but again, seeing the she creature in that context made mm-hmm. it kind of stand out as not this monster movie, but this is cheesy thing. So I think context might have something to do with whether or not we consider it cheesy or not. Yeah. What Good are some, point. Good point, yeah. Derek. Yeah. 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 Well, here, here we go. How about, um, oh, the giant claw. Well, that's a, that's one of the classics yes! of cheesy monsters. Oh, I love this one. Um, It's coming after me. Mitch. That bird is extraterrestrial. Comes from outer space. From some godforsaken antimatter galaxy millions and millions of light years from the earth atomic hydrogen weapons capable of wiping cities countries off the face of the earth are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies Attacking the United Nations building. The bird's after us. Chasing us. How are you doing? For God's sake, hurry, man. It's catching up with us fast. Yeah, that's quite a movie. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on that? Here? Give me your input. Uh, I haven't seen it in forever. It's quite a movie, like you said. <laughs> so it stars Jeff Morrow. I remember yes, who's that great. Much. Who was in uh, Creature Walks Among Us, right? Yes. Yeah. See, and it all comes Islander, back to the creature movies for me. Quite a bit. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> well, Jeff Morrow is one of those guys that appeared in a lot of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. I mm-hmm. like I liked Jeff Moore. I have not seen the giant claw in forever. All I can remember is the monster, which I suppose is a good thing. Yeah, from what I understand, um, this is, again, from the internet. I, I was going to look this up, but I guess none of the stars or any of the people involved, the major players, ever saw what the creature was going to look like until after the movie was in the can. And I guess the the story is that Jeff Morrow went to the premiere of the movie uh-huh. and all kind of, you know, proud of this flick that he was in. Oh, no. And after, <laughs> I guess the story is every time the creature, which looks like a giant buzzard. Yeah. I mean, really cartoonish buzzard. It really does look like a cartoon made real. It does. It does. It's, it's, it's awful. Anyway, I guess uh, they the, the audience would laugh every time they saw it. So I guess he had to had to slink out of the theater (laughs) but that's one of the and that's the thing that it's 
as I watch it now, you know, there, we had a discussion about the sensibilities of the time. But right. even back then, you look at stuff and you think, well, maybe that was scary back in the 50s, you know. But then you look at this giant buzzard and you can't imagine <laughs> no. anybody would create that thinking it would be scary because it's, it's adorable. It's got a little, <laughs> little tuft of hair on the top of his head. And, so how long before you sculpt a giant claw? Uh, maybe coming up. I don't know. <laughs> I'd want to get like a stuffed animal of it. It looks like it would lend itself to a plush stuffed animal. Oh, you should make some of those. Sell, <laughs> sell them somewhere. When did that come out? Um, 1957, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. 1957, Jeff Morrow. Mara Corday, who I... Oh, yeah. She was uh, in the Black Scorpion. Uh-huh. For a strong female character. With Richard Denning, who was in Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> then there it See? goes. All the way back. <laughs> always back to the beginning. Fred F. Sears was the director. I mean, it would just be your typical 50s thing if it just was, wasn't for that dang monster. <laughs> it does look like a just, giant buzzard. Oh, man. But I like it. It's, it looks like a buzzard out of a Warner Brothers cartoon. It really looks it has that kind of cartoon feel, like you said. Yeah, that would be a good one to watch uh, if we ever get our pop-up uh, film events going. Oh, there you go. We have the, we had discussed it, but I don't know if this is something you want to. Yeah. yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> we may have some pop-up movie stuff next summer. So, That'd be fun to do. We'll see. We'll see how things go. That'd be fun to do. Okay. But that's an awesome movie. From caves and sewers come the slime people. The kill, kill, kill. There is no escape from the slime people. The slime people. <laughs> people i love the monster design in that i really do that one came out in the early 60s didn't it 63 okay yeah it stars uh robert hutton mm-hmm. again it's kind of a had done quite a bit of work beforehand of course les tremaine yes is always good yes that when he plays a guy that's in love with his donkey isn't he <laughs> or he likes his donkey i mean not in love with it, but right but he's, he's yeah, friendly not, he's friendly i'm with not his donkey. going unless you take my <laughs> yes no that actually just came out on dvd as part of a four pack 
earlier this year with some other titles. Okay. And it's a really good print. Is it? Yeah. I have some of those. I got on Amazon and got some of those $5 deals for oh, well. four. Yeah. yeah, four, but I can't remember what they. I put them somewhere. But no, I, I like slime people. It's, I love the monster design in that. I think they look great. See, that's another one. The slime people. It's kind of earlier we had discussed the Island of Terror, where the creature design yeah. kind of hampers the overall scariness, just yeah. because the slime people are just so slow and plodding and. That takes away a little bit of the scare factor. This was in a previous episode when we talked about Island of Terror and, and the slow monsters and that sort of thing. People know my background in the zombie podcast that I used to do. And, you know, I would trumpet slow-moving zombies over fast-moving zombies, that sort of thing. I think the slow monster can still work and be effective and scary. I don't know if it really quite works in slime people <laughs> as well. Because the reason they're slow seems to be a design choice in that the costumes look like they couldn't move very fast if they wanted to in them. That's yeah. And that, that kind of hampers it a little bit for yeah. me. And you only see, I think in the, the whole movie, it's supposed to be a, an invasion force or something. And you right. only ever see like two of them yeah. at all during the thing. So it's again, you know, it's a cheesy fun. You got to like it. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. And again, to stress, we're not saying these movies are bad per se. We're just saying, Okay, they might be bad, but they're still good and enjoyable and fun. And we're not we're not talking about these out of malice, I guess. You know, I just want to stress we're not. No, I love these them. movies. Yeah. I have all of these. I I have fond memories of. You know, I've watched. You know, I'm 53 now, so a lot of these I watched. You know, at the drive-in shortly after they came out. Yeah, and so. we own. I'm sure you own most of them on DVD. I'm sure I have mm-hmm. most of them on DVD. You know, if they're not on DVD, they're near the top of my Netflix queue. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't put my money down for a movie that I didn't like or love. And a lot of times I I don't want to get on a grandstand here, but let me just say this, Derek. <laughs> Sometimes these days, you know, it's a, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the movies that, you know, especially the scary stuff, the quote-unquote scary stuff, because it relies a little too much these days on special effects or the you know there's a lot of torture porn kind of movies or there's you know what what they choose to scare people with these days or it's just gotten so graphic in a lot of ways sure that i just appreciate (laughs) these movies all the more because it's just so hard to to cull through a lot of the stuff that comes out because there's so many things coming out all the time these days no that makes sense i talked a little bit about this when i was doing some recording around halloween that for me, the monster movies that I really like have that element of fantasy to it. There's the the B-movie monster thing versus the people getting chopped up just because we can chop them up and that sort of thing. And and I don't know if that's just me getting older or my taste changing. I, I don't want to say the word evolving because I'm not trying to downplay or, or denigrate those movies. I mean, I still have a mad love for Friday the 13th. That's it. <laughs> Tom just uh, spun his I pat around and showed me the monster that we were talking about earlier. The Creature big... from the Haunted Sea. That's right. Sorry, Derek. I no, didn't no, no. It's probably best yeah. that you uh, cut me off there. <laughs> <laughs> the movie trailers that I played, I pulled off of YouTube. Obviously, I don't own those trailers. They belong to the respective copyright owners. And if you want to check out the YouTube trailers for yourself, well, we do have a Monster Kid Radio YouTube channel. You can find it over at monsterkidradio.net or just look up Monster Kid Radio in YouTube. And I've got a playlist of several movie trailers, including one for the Giant Claw and the Slime People. So you can check that out, as well as a number of other 
what I consider essential trailers, and I will be eventually adding more to that list. Something else you can check out between shows is our Live 365 channel. Again, you can find it at monsterkidradio.net or go to live365.com and look up Monster Kid Radio. I'll be honest, I haven't updated that channel since I launched it at the beginning of this podcast 52 episodes ago, but I am working slowly to get that channel updated with some new music, so stay tuned to that. We're going to come back in a couple of days to complete our discussion about some of our favorite cheesy monster movies with Tom Beagler. And then remember, I will also be announcing the winner of the contest for the original piece of artwork, one of a kind, by Tom Beagler, celebrating the movie Island of Terror. There's two little silicates. One's doing what silicates do. It's just a creepy piece of artwork. It's an original piece of artwork that I'm going to be very hesitant to box up and put in the mail to one of you lucky listeners who entered the contest. So come back in a couple of days to find out if you won, if you entered the contest. We'll also hear another song by the Ape Men from their album Seven Plus Inches of Love. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivations, 3.0 unported license, except for, well, the song that I just mentioned, which you're going to hear right about now, and I will talk to you in a couple of days. (laughs) 